Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Oh, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you that we can open your word right now. God bless your people with your word. God, I want to help. I want to help your people, Lord. So please, God, help me, Lord. Use me for your glory. Let me preach your word in the ability that you supply, God. And God, I pray this would be like food for famished ones, God. Let your people be fed with your word. God, I pray that you help every person here to incline their ear and hear. God, let your presence be with us even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, y'all, I'm a basket case. Gracious. We should sing after. After the preaching, we should sing. Okay. The top of your sheet, it says, God's holy people pursuing holiness, dot, 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 together. Let me explain that really quick, and then we'll jump into Hebrews 12. Let me explain why I gave that title, okay? So, first phrase there, I'm going to break it into three phrases. God's holy people. God's holy people. Now, hear me out here, because you're not... I, I want to tell you the assumption that I'm working under. I'm, I'm, I'm working under a, the assumption that everybody here who's truly a believer knows that God has made you holy. That's what I'm working under. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, so you need to hear this out. I'm working on the assumption that you know God has made you holy. You're God's holy people, according to the Scriptures. Now, what does holy mean? Very quickly, what does holy mean? Holy carries the meaning of being separate or set apart. God is holy He is separate from us. He is set apart. He is different from us in every good way. God is holy. There's none like Him. He's holy in that He's separate from sin. There's none like Him. There's not one ounce of sin in any of His thoughts ever. It's God. He's holy. God's holy in in that He is powerful. Let's just say it like this. All His attributes are holy. He's not just good. He is holy good. He is good like none other. He's not only powerful, but His his is a a holy power like none other. He's holy, set apart, different. Now, He has made His people holy through the cross of Jesus Christ. That's the assumption I'm working under. He's made His people holy through the cross of Jesus Christ. We are called His holy ones. And this is not not about our effort. We didn't earn our holiness and through our uh, rigorous effort become holy. Holy in the sight of God. That's not the way it worked. The way it worked is Christ Jesus took our sin away. We're holy in what? Christ took our sin away and He laid down His life for those sins. He came under the punishment that we were supposed to take for your sins. He took it away and He declared us righteous. And He he seals us with His Holy Spirit. He seals us with the promise of eternal life. We're His holy people by merit of the cross of Christ. Working under that assumption. I assume you know that if you're here and you're in Christ Jesus, you're a believer. There's, there's 27 uh, books in the New Testament and at least 71 times the Bible calls us saints. And that literally means holy ones. That means the Holy Spirit looks at wretched people like us just simply because we put our hope in Jesus Christ and He says holy to this wretched group of people. 1 Peter 2.9 Believers are called a holy nation. 
called out of darkness into His marvelous light. Colossians 1.21 says this. It says that we were once all enemies of God, but what happened? We were reconciled in the body of His flesh through death. Through the death of Christ, we can be reconciled to God even though we were enemies. And it said to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. Christ has set us apart. We are His holy people. Everybody there? Second part of that title says, God's holy people what? Pursuing holiness. So this is the question. Why would, if we're already holy, why would we be pursuing holiness? If we're already God's holy people, why are we pursuing holiness? Okay, we still live in a corrupt world and in these corrupted bodies. So we're God's holy people pursuing holiness. We're pursuing separation from the world to move farther and further from sin and closer and closer to Christ-likeness. And we're to be God's holy people pursuing holiness to be set apart to God. Now this word holiness is used many places in the Bible. Okay, and really it's all throughout the Bible. We're going to look at a verse that says, pursue holiness. Uh, uh, Peter said, be holy even as He, God, is holy. Be holy, He commands but here's the idea. If you just look, if you did a word study and you looked up holiness all through the Bible, all through especially the New Testament, here's some ideas that you would come up with. This is some summaries that you would come up with about holiness. Holiness, as we pursue it, holiness is to not let sin reign in your life as king, but to be slaves of righteousness for our holiness. Okay? Or another idea is to come out of the world to be separate from the world. Come out of its systems, of its, uh, its corruption. Be separate. Listen to this. Cleanse yourself from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Cleanse yourself further and further from sin, closer and closer to Christ's likeness. Other places in the Bible where this word holiness is used, it, it uh, compares it to an obedient child that receives the loving discipline of his father. And this child obeys. He recognizes sin through the through the discipline and he walks away from his sin he he walks into obedience this is the idea of holiness in summary we want to be a people god's holy people who strive to move further and further from sin to kill sin and to move towards christ and christ likeness that's what we want to be pursuing holiness now dot 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 together why'd i add together on there why'd i add together because i desire for Grace Community Church to be a church, that we be a people that pursue holiness, not just individually, but together. That as a church, that we pursue the holiness of Christ. And I think the Bible calls us to this as well. Okay, there's many actions that you, that there needs to be radical actions that you take in pursuit of holiness. There's, there's radical things you do with the Word of God because you want to kill sin and be like Christ. What do you do on God's Word? There's radical things you do with prayer and fasting because you want to kill sin and be like Christ. There's radical things that you do, okay? There's trials and tribulations that conform us to the image of Christ. But what I want to zone in on is together. What happens together? How do we together pursue holiness? What does it look like to be in each other's lives as a part of Grace Community Church and pursuing holiness together, okay? Practical holiness, the practical holiness of Grace Community Church is a great concern to Jesus. And it ought to be a great concern to every one of us. I didn't just mean you as an individual. Grace Community Church is made up of people. A group of people who've linked arms together for the glory of God, for the advancement of His kingdom. And Jesus is highly concerned. 
I mean, he cares deeply about the holiness of Grace Community Church. And I'm saying that each one of us should care in the same way. Listen to Ephesians 5.25. Christ. Talking about Christ. Christ loved the church. And He gave Himself for her. Listen. Christ and His church. Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for her that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the Word. That He might present her. That's the church. To himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. Do you hear it? Christ loved the church, gave himself for it. Do you love the church? Specifically, this local church. Do you love this church? And when you give yourself for it, wash her in the water of the word so that she becomes blameless and holy. And this is what we're talking about. J.C. Ryle said, There is no holiness without warfare. And what a privilege that we get to make war together for holiness in this church. What a privilege that we get to do that. Now, how are we going to study this? Okay, quickly. We're going to dive mainly in to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, mainly verse 14, and moving over into verse 15, 16. That's our main section right there. Hebrews chapter 12, about verse 14 through 16. Now, my desire, my desire, my prayer, is that this will wake us up to a seriousness about pursuing holiness together. I want us to be uh, awakened to pursuing holiness individually, but then together as well. I want this to awaken us to the seriousness of that and motivate us to helping each other out. So we walk on the, what the Old Testament calls the highway of holiness. Okay? And then after we look at those verses in Hebrews 12, we're going to get into some practical applications, okay? And some of these practical applications are going to be like, how do we interact with one another day in and day out, okay? How does, it, how does it work? What does it look like day in and day out as we pursue holiness together? And then we'll even walk into some things about church discipline at the end as a part of pursuing holiness as a church, okay? So that's where we're headed. So if you're not already there, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Let's get our eyes on Hebrews 12, verse 14 through 16. And I'm going to read it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. And for time's sake, I'm going to stop there. All right, so let's walk through this little passage, okay? So verse 14 says, Pursue peace with all people. It's telling you to pursue something. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord is what it says. First word there is pursue. The ESV says strive. Strive after this thing. The idea is you're pursuing something. You're running after something. You're chasing after something. This does not leave any room for stagnancy. Nothing stagnant about this. This is a pursuit, okay? This doesn't leave room for us to coast. This is pursue it. Strive after it. Chase after it. Get your eyes on something, namely the peace with all and holiness and run after it with all your heart. This is the idea. Now, there's a lot of laziness a lot of laziness in this day and age and in the modern church towards pursuing holiness. Lots of laziness. And it's usually, it's usually cloaked in some kind of super spiritual language like let go and let God. Or 
I'm just going to wait and, and let God do what only He can do. And it's just wrapped up in this kind of half-truth, spirit, this spirit, super spiritual way of saying it, but it's laziness towards pursuing holiness. And this is all over the place, okay? The Bible teaches that God is sovereign in our growth and holiness. Amen. And the Bible teaches that when we have, we have advancement in holiness, when that happens, that we don't pat ourselves on the back. We say, praise you, God. You did it. Amen to that. But the Bible also teaches that we strive and we strain and we run. Verse 1 of this same chapter says, run with endurance the race set before you. Verse 4 says, striving against sin. It personifies sin as if sin is a person that you fight against and you beat him down. This is the picture. And our verse today says, pursue peace and holiness. Sin is not to be trifled with. I hope you know that. It is not to be trifled with. And holiness is not attained by soft, dainty, feminine pursuit. Sin is laid aside through holy murder. Colossians 3.5 Sin is laid aside through holy Murder and holiness is attained by hard, reckless pursuit of Jesus Christ. It says, pursue peace and holiness. Now, right here, okay, next phrase. Pursue what? Pursue peace with all people. This idea, pursue peace with all people. This is harmony with one another, tranquility with one another. Okay, love for one another. This is pursue peace. This is love each other in such a way that it produces peace. Forgive one another. Forbear one another in such a way that it produces peace. Confess your sins to one another in such a way that it produces peace. This is this pursue peace with one another. Go after that. No division, no strife, no hatred. This is what we're talking about. But this is not a superficial peace that we're going after, right? Because it says pursue peace with holiness. This is not a superficial peace. This is peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So we are not going after a superficial peace that cares nothing about sin, cares nothing about purity. We're not going after a superficial peace that just passively permits sin to destroy our brothers and sisters under our watch and we don't care. It's not the kind of peace. We're not talking about like a, a doctor who sees cancer in his patient but he won't say anything. He just wants peaceful conversation with him. It's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the, the, the false peace, the so-called peace of acquaintances that live far away. Think about it. That's easy, right? They live far away. You never deal with their weaknesses. They never deal with yours. You never deal with their sin. They never deal with your sin. It's, a, it's far away. What we're talking about is a peace, a group of people going to war, a group of soldiers headed out to war, loving one another, fighting with one another, fighting side by side for the faith of the gospel, a group of soldiers headed off to war. That's the peace we're talking about. Think about it. It's difficult. There's hardship. There's sin that you deal with with one another. And that's what we want to see. Not a superficial peace, but a peace and holiness. So let your prayers... As you think about Grace Community Church, this church, let your prayers be that we'd be a people passionate about pursuing holiness, that we would make war on sin and we would press in to Christ's likeness, pursue peace and holiness. Now, this intense, this thing that I'm describing to you, this intense war-type mindset is a rare jewel in this day and age. Most of you know that, right? This is a rare jewel in this day and age. The modern view it's just, what's holiness? I'll just be a good boy. Be a good, be a good girl. Only bad stuff, right? That's all it is. 
Or it's, it's just a good old country boy holiness. That's all it is. That's all, that's all we know today. But it is unheard of. It is unheard of to fight in war and press in towards holiness and especially not together as a church. It's a very, it's a rare jewel. How rare are Jesus' words lived out? Listen to His words. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Oh, how rare. How rare is it that there's a group of people that press into that and they make radical, radical actions against their sin and radical actions for holiness and Christ-likeness is very, very rare. Now, part of the modern problem with that is we don't view sin rightly. So hear me out on that. Part of the problem, why there's not this pursue it, press into it, is because we don't view sin rightly. We think much too lightly about our sin. We joke about sin, and the Bible says a fool mocks at sin. And yet we joke about it, okay? We tiptoe around sin, and we confess it with zero tears in our eyes. And yet the Bible says mourn and weep. Throw yourself at His feet. Listen to this quote from Richard Baxter, an old, an old uh, Puritan. He said this, If the thoughts of death... Let this, let this do something to your thoughts about sin. If the thoughts of death and the grave and rottenness are not pleasant to you, do not let the thoughts of sin be pleasant. Listen to every temptation to sin as you would listen to a temptation to self-murder. As you would do if the devil brought you a knife and tempted you to slit your throat with it, so do when he offers you the bait of sin. That's a little more serious than we normally take it, isn't it? But I want to encourage us to move into that, okay? Let's come together, a passionate resolve, Grace Community Church, waging war on sin, pressing in to Christ's likeness, helping one another in this with encouragement and building up and rebuke and correction and love. This is what we want to go after, okay? Next phrase. Without which no one will see the Lord. Without which no one will see the Lord. Now this phrase adds some seriousness to it, right? This adds some seriousness. Seeing Jesus is at stake here. Okay? This is a big deal. Pursue. Grace Community Church, pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. This is a big deal. This is very, very serious. Now what does it mean? Now, commentaries differ. As you read different commentaries, they differ as to exactly what that phrase means. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you three options. And out of these three options, I want you to know that all three options can be proved as true somewhere else in the Bible. Okay? So that's good news. Okay? And all three of these options, regardless of which one you land on, mean this is serious. Seeing Jesus is at stake. Therefore, pursue holiness. Pursue peace. Without which no one will see the Lord. Here's your three options. What does it mean, without which no one will see the Lord? Many say that this is talking about salvation, seeing Him. You won't see the Lord in heaven. Pursue peace and Listen to the seriousness. It drops. It just drops like a hammer. Pursue peace and holiness, without which you will go to hell. This is what he's referring to. All right, second option. It's seeing Jesus like beholding His glory. Pursue peace and holiness together or you won't see Him. You won't behold His glory like 2 Corinthians 3.18. As we behold His glory in a mirror, we're conforming to the same image. Maybe it means that. That's still very serious. Or it could mean pursue peace and holiness together. Otherwise, no one will see the Lord. No one will see the Lord in you. No one will see Christ among you if you don't pursue peace and holiness together. So, Whatever the interpretation is, this is a big deal. Everybody agree? This is a big deal. Pursue peace. Pursue holiness. Seeing Christ 
is at stake. Okay, so th- th- this is what I want to do. I want, I want us to be, I want us to pray, okay, that we would be a people, a people full of, of peace-producing love and peace-producing forgiveness toward one another. Pursue peace. And that we'd be a people full of holiness producing interactions with one another holiness producing encouragement and rebuke and love and care for and building up we want to go after that together okay this is our prayer look at verse look now with me verse 15 and 16 looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of god lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Okay. First word there. It says, looking carefully. In verse 15, it says, looking carefully. That's one Greek word, looking carefully. The ESV says, see to it. The King James says, looking diligently. Looking carefully. See to it. Looking diligently. Now this word, okay, this is a, a participle that's going to modify the command to pursue peace and holiness in verse 14. Okay, so looking carefully, looking diligently. Okay, it's going to teach us how we pursue peace together, how we pursue holiness together, looking diligently. Now, this, this word, this Greek word, is only used in one other place in the New Testament. Only one other place. And it tells us a lot. It's 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. And listen to 1 Peter 5, 2. See if you can find the word. Shepherd the flock of God. Now he's speaking to pastors and leaders in the church and he looks out and he says, hey, shepherd, shepherd the, the church of God, shepherd the flock of God that is among you serving as overseers. That's the word. Overseers. So what we have here is this group, we got these pastors, right? These shepherds, these leaders in 1 Peter 5. And he's saying, you need to look out. You need to have a concern for the whole. Okay, you need to have a concern for the whole church. You look at Grace Community Church. I feel the weight of this, and I look over and say, I have a concern and a love for the whole, and I'll reach out to those who are disconnected. I want to bring in those who are hurting. I want to help. I want to build up those who've been broken down. You're looking out. It's an overseer. You're looking over and and seeing and helping like a watchman on his tower. This is what we're talking about. Okay, now take that same Greek word and move it over into Hebrews chapter twelve, verse fifteen. Looking carefully. Looking carefully. Looking over. It's like exercising over. It's like, it's like everybody's an overseer in one sense. It's like everybody's looking over. Everybody's doing this, this uh, shepherding type. I want to look over the church and see them and care for them and love them. And how's so-and-so doing? I want to dig in and see what's going on with them. Everybody is what we're talking about. It's not just pastors. Not just teachers. Not just leaders here. The charge is for all to have a deep care and concern for the church. Watch out. Imagine that. Everybody's a watchman. Everybody here. Everybody's a member of Grace Community Church. I'm standing on their watchtower. First, they look out for themselves, right? They watch out for themselves, their own souls. Lest they be found to be getting a speck out of somebody's eye and they got a plank in their own, right? So we watch out for our own souls. We get the planks out of our eyes so that we can see clearly to get the specks in our brother's eyes. But all of us as watchmen, all of us is a concern for not just my closest group of friends, but all. A concern for the church as a whole. Think about it. If anyone is sinning, if anyone is beginning to walk into sin, do you see this? That it is your duty. It is your duty to reach out to this one and to reconcile them. 
to reach out and reconcile. Think about it. If anybody is hurting, it is your duty to care for them and comfort them. It is wrong for you to ignore this. If anyone is weak, it is your duty to come alongside and strengthen your brother and sister. It is wrong for you to neglect this. You see this? Looking out. Looking diligently. See to it. So all the members of Grace Community Church, listen to me. I want every member of Grace Community Church, I want everybody to listen to me, but specifically members of Grace Community Church, listen to me. If someone, I want you to think about this. Do you see this? That if someone begins to sin in some way, like the, the, maybe Hebrews 10, forsaking the assembling of the saints. Maybe they begin to forsake and all of a sudden you don't see them in the assembling of the saints anymore. Do you see it as your responsibility to reach out to that one who's maybe hurting or maybe sinning or you don't know what's going on, but to dig in? Do you see that as your responsibility? If someone's beginning to walk in an unholy way, listen to Galatians 6.1. Listen to this. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are a spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. It's your role to be a watchman. All members of Grace Community Church, okay, listen to me. Aren't you glad to be a part of something like that? Aren't you glad to be a part of something where, where people are watching out for your soul? Well, people love you enough to dig in. They love you enough to look out for you and ask you the hard questions. They love you enough to talk with you and see how you're doing and share the Word of God with you and pray for you. Don't you love that? Aren't you, aren't you glad to be a part of something like that? And that's what we want to go after. Listen to the words of George Swinnick. This is an old Puritan. Listen to him. He's talking about fighting holiness together. Listen to this. Woe to him that is alone. David was alone when Satan drew him to defile his neighbor's wife. While the sheep flock together, they are safe as being under the shepherd's eye. But if one straggle from the rest, it is quickly a prey to ravenous wolves. It is no hard matter to rob that house that stands far from neighbors. The cruel pirate Satan watches for those vessels that sail without a convoy. (laughs) What a privilege to war together, right? This is a privilege. Looking out. Pursue peace and holiness. Looking out. Watching out. Warring together against sin and the devil. Let me remind you, okay? I want to remind every member of Grace Community Church that this is what you signed up for. This is part of it. That you would have a concern for the whole. You would have a concern for holiness of Grace Community Church. And this is something that we want to go after, okay? We want to, we want to be faithful to this. Are you, if you think about this, do you feel like you're faithful to this calling? Do you feel faithful to this calling? Do you, you feel like your heart's there to have a concern for the whole? And let those questions sit in and think about that for just a minute, okay? Where are you at on this? Do you love the church? Do you give yourself for Does it make you, this is something I thought about the other day, does it make you sick? Does it absolutely make you sick to think about Satan, just demonic attack or or being caught off in sinfulness or some weakness or hurt or pain that one of your brother or sister goes through under your watch and you don't know about it? Does it make you sick? That hurts you a little bit? And I want us to go after this as a church. Okay, so, so here we are. We got our aim. We got our aim. Pursuing peace and holiness. Looking after the whole flock like watchmen. Now, what are we looking out for? And let's go to the next few phrases, okay? Hebrews 12, 15 and 16. And what it's going to do, it's going to say, see to it, ESV, or looking diligently, in my version here, okay? And then it's going to give like three bullet points of what we're looking for, what we're, or at least some of the things we're looking for. Look at these three bullet points. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. 
Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person. You see that? Now this carries the idea again of looking out for the church as a whole. Listen to the way the ESV says it. Okay? It says, see to it. And then hanging off that see to it, that overseer, that shepherding type word, hanging off is three bullet points. Listen to them. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. That no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it many become defiled. That no one is sexually immoral or unholy. Now as we look into these bullet points, what we're going to see is one, we're going to see the depth of how much when it says oversee and pursue holiness together, we're going to see the depth of what this looks like Okay, as we get into these bullet points. And we're also going to see the seriousness of this as we walk into the seriousness of pursuing holiness together. Okay, let's start with the first one. The first bullet point. Lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, most commentaries agree that this is talking about failing, as the ESV says, failing to obtain the grace of God as in for salvation. Now, that landed seriously, right? Doesn't that, land, doesn't that add some seriousness to this pursue holiness, pursue peace with one another, get after this, looking out for one another? Why? Lest anyone go to hell. Lest anyone among you, people that are with you in and out, they're, they're in these meetings all the time, lest they don't make it. You see the seriousness of this. The picture here is a group of people linked arms together on the narrow path to eternal life and the exhortation is what? The exhortation is pursue peace and holiness. Watch out for each other and, and, and wake up that none of your fellow members, that none of your, these people around you, that none of them miss the boat. It's the exhortation. You see this. It's serious. Now somebody might say this. Now I, I thought only believers could become church members and if you're a believer, then you have eternal life and you can never lose eternal life. Somebody might say that. Now this is true. Okay? If you have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have eternal life and no one can snatch it from you. Okay? This is true. But here's the thing. We, we see dimly. We can't, we can't see like Jesus can. Just like Jesus looked into the heart of that church at Ephesus from last week and He, he told them exactly what was going on with them. We, none of us can do that. Do you realize that? None of us can do that. And it's clear from the Scripture that there are people that walk among the people of God and sit in their meetings and hang out with them and even have friendships among the people of God. And yet when it's all said and done, they do not know Christ and they'll go to hell. 1 John 2.19, it says there was these people that they went out from us. They were with us, right? That's what it says. But they went out from us that it might be made manifest that they were never of us. So there's people... They were a part of it. And then they left. And what did that show when they left? It showed that they were never of us. In other words, there's people that were never of them. There's people that sat through the meetings, had friendships among the group, and yet did not know Christ. And they would be buried in the ground like a sheep, but the reality was they don't, in actuality, don't know Christ. And they would go to hell forever. And this is a concern. Pursue peace and holiness. Looking out, watching out, lest anyone fail to obtain the grace of God. This is the idea. Now, most of you know this, that, that to become a member of Grace Community Church, uh, every person that does that sits down with the leadership of the church and we talk over how they came to know Christ and we talk over their understanding of the gospel. Every person that does that, okay? But listen, we are very fallible in this. You know that, right? 
We are very fathomless. We can't see into the depths of someone's soul to know for sure what's going on there. Okay, now, now, now listen. I feel the weight of this charge. Look diligently, lest anybody fall short of the grace of God. I feel the weight of that charge, but here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that our lives are marked by suspicion, as if we know. Like I'm looking over there at Rob going, yeah, I just don't know. I'm waiting on him to mess up. You know, that's not the picture. Okay, it's not suspicion. This is not, this is not what is pushing us towards suspicion. But this is, this is what I'm saying. If it's possible, go to meeting after meeting and Bible study after Bible study and even, and even have friendships and even understand the gospel and yet not have Christ and spend eternity in hell, this is a great tragedy. And you ought to feel the weight of watch out, look diligently, pursue holiness with this group of people. It's a horrific, horrific thought that one from this fold, and I'm being very personal right now, it's a horrific thought that one from this fold of us that know one another, that we'd be gathered up, locked arms, going, and we'd head on this narrow path to eternal life and someone not make it. That's a horrific thought. And that thought in itself, if that doesn't stir up your soul to say, man, I want to look diligent, I want to pursue holiness, I don't know what else to say. But this is the picture, lest any fall from the grace of God. Okay, I, I, I do feel a need at this point to do this. I just want to plead for a second. If there's anyone here, okay, anyone among us, member or not member, and maybe there's something you think about. Like, yeah, I am in the meetings of the church. I am in them. I'm, I'm a part of that. I'm, uh, I know church stuff. I know Bible verses. I'm all this kind of stuff. And yet, and yet you start thinking, but I may, I may not know Christ, and I don't, be one, I don't want to be one that fails to obtain the grace of God. Please talk to me about this, and I, and I plead with you. Christ is arms wide open, is He not? Christ died for your sins. He laid down your life. All it is is looking to Christ Jesus who died for you, who's risen from the dead, and He'll save you from hell. But don't be stopped in your convictions or your thought because of pride. <laughs> Unwilling to come and say something about this. Un- unwilling to admit it because of pride. Don't go there. Okay, this is a very serious matter. Eternal souls are precious. Your, your eternal soul is precious to me. Okay. <clears throat> Next one. Lest any root of bitterness. This is the second bullet point. Lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. Now, how deep of relationships do we need to be walking in? How deep? How deep is it? We take Grace Community Church, man, and we're pursuing holiness and we're looking out, looking diligent, overseeing like a watchman for one another. And how deep does this go? That just said, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble, defile many. How deep? We need to be, we, we need to be close enough and deep enough in each other's lives that we can see things like, like bitterness, like roots. It says it causes bitterness. It's a, it's a feeling and then it's a root as in it's underneath. Nobody sees it. Jesus sees it, but none of us can see it. But it's this root that's down in here that no one can see. And we're walking tight enough and close enough and loving one another enough that we see these things and we catch them before they spring up and they cause trouble and they defile many. It's a sweet picture of us walking together, looking out for one another. My, my prayer is that as a church, we would refuse we would refuse to settle in for the superficiality of this day. Okay, we would just refuse. We say, I'm not going there. I will not be super, superficial. I want us to be a people that regularly, with deep love in our hearts and concern for one another, dig in. Just dig into each other and love each other and be willing to be dug in too. Okay, third one, third one on the bullet point. 
lest there be any fornicator or profane person. The ESV says that no one is sexually immoral or unholy. Okay, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy. So, so here we are as a church. We're pursuing holiness together. We're looking out for one another like watchmen. And one of the things we're looking out for is, we, is, is that no one walks in this sexual morality or unholiness. The word for sexual morality there is, is pornos. When we get the word pornography from, so we're watching out for this thing. And, and, and then the word unholy. It's, it's unholy. And our aim is holiness, right? We're pursuing holiness and we're watching out that no one walks in a way that is unholy. Now, do you see how being devoted to this in a local church could get you into some hard conversations? Y'all see that? This could get you into some hard conversations, could it not? And if you see this could get you into some hard conversations, I ask you the question, are you willing to endure? Are you willing to endure awkwardness, hardship, whatever it might be, because you want to pursue peace and holiness with Grace Community Church? You want to go after that with this group of people that you love. Now, this, here's, here's what this scripture is not saying. Listen to me. This is what it's not saying. This is not some elitist, holier-than-thou mindset that looks down on other people that are struggling with sin or whatever it might be, as if, as if, for some reason, you think you're never going to struggle with anything. This is not what it's talking about. What we're talking about is looking out for one another, loving one another, caring for one another. This is the exhortation that we would be a, 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 a group of people with holiness-producing relationships and peace-producing love for each other. That's what we want. Will you be a part of this? You in? All right. Last phrase, verse 16. The last phrase we see, Hebrews 12, 16 says, Like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. Now here we see Esau is given as an example. Pursue peace and holiness and watch out for everyone, lest somebody be like Esau in his unholiness. It's the idea. Esau is given as an example. Now, why is Esau given as the negative example? And there's many reasons, okay? There's many reasons. And especially as you dive into verse 17, which we don't, I wish we had time to get there, but verse 17, you dive in, it talks about him, him walking away from his birthright. He never could obtain it again, okay? He found no place for repentance. But here's what I want to pull out. That no one be like Esau, who sold his birthright for one morsel of food. You know what we see in this? We see the stupidity of sin. It is stupid. It's like taking your birthright and saying, I'd rather have a bowl of beans. How dumb. You see the stupidity of sin? I'd rather have this little bowl of lentils right here rather than my birthright. I'd give up my inheritance and my birthright for this bowl of beans. This little temporary desire, this temporary hunger I have right here, and I go after that instead of the, the glories that are found in Christ Jesus. So let this be a reminder to us that as we pursue holiness together, as we go after looking out for one another, that this is not something, this is not just cute, okay? This is us doing something where we're, we're rescuing one another and loving one another in such a way that we're, we're turning each other away from the stupidity of turning away from the glories of Christ and the majesty of Christ and intimacy with Christ and trading that in for something as petty as sexual morality or whatever else. And that's what we're doing together. Now, quickly, let me say this. I want to show you something about the context around these verses, okay? Okay, if you, if you back up into verse 5 through 13, now we're not going to read it, okay? For time's sake, we're not going to read it. But if you back up verse 5 through 13 in the same chapter, it just, it's like a 
foundation for what we just read and walked through. Okay, so I want to I want to mention uh, five things, five points about this passage, Hebrews 12, 5 through 13, five points that'll help us understand some more things about our pursuit of holiness. Okay? Here they are, here they are. Five things from this little foundational part that springs out the, the verse that we just went to, okay? Five things. Number one, here we see God pursuing our holiness. Do you hear that? In this section, okay, this section is about God Almighty as a loving Father who disciplines His children. And the reason why He disciplines them is motivated by love. And He disciplines them for their good. He disciplines them for their holiness. We see God pursuing our holiness. Look at verse 10. 12.10 For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them. That's human fathers. But He, God, for our profit that we may be partakers of His holiness. So God Almighty disciplining us, chastening us. Why? For our profit that we might be partakers of His holiness. The subject here is still holiness. God is pursuing our holiness. And this ought to be a wonderful thing in our sight. Wonderful thing to us. That as we pursue holiness, we walk in this idea that, hey, God is pursuing our holiness. We're called to pursue holiness, but He's actually pursuing our holiness. It's like the Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to willing to do for His good pleasure. This ought to be a great comfort to us as we pursue holiness that God Almighty, our loving Father, is pursuing our holiness. Number two, we realize that this process towards holiness will be painful. This will be painful. Look at verse 11. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruits of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is a painful process. We should not expect sanctification to be smooth and easygoing. We should expect it to be rigorous and even painful, according to this verse. We're to expect the heat of pain to melt away sin like dross off of silver. This is what we're going after. Okay, It's going to be a painful process. Number three. Here in these verses, we see that love and restoration is God's motive. Love and restoration is God's motive. Look at verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation that speaks to you as sons. My son, listen to this towards you, towards us. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by Him. When you're rebuked by God, when you're disciplined by God, you'll have a tendency to despise it. He says, don't do that. Don't despise it. Why? Look at verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom He receives. It's motivated by love. Don't you see that? That this discipline, this painful process of sanctification and pursuing holiness is motivated by love. Not vengeance. He's not getting you back for your sin. It's motivated by love. Number four, God often uses us as one another, okay? This one anothering thing that we do, exhort one another, rebuke one another, love one another, build one another up, this kind of thing. God often uses this to perform His discipline, okay? So you've got this section, verse 5 through 11, that's about the discipline of a loving Father for our holiness, for our sanctification, to push us further from sin and closer to Christ's likeness. And then you get to verse 12 and it says, therefore... Therefore, look how it points it on us. 
Therefore, knowing that God Almighty is working towards your holiness through discipline, therefore, and it says, strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that the lame, they don't stay lame, but they actually get healed. And that's a symbolic picture of pursue peace with all men and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You see this? So God often uses this one anothering type thing. I want you to see that number four, that God uses us as His children in each other's life to perform His discipline. Number five, knowing that our pursuit of holiness together is rooted in or it's an outflow of God's pursuit of our holiness through discipline, that should teach us a lot. So that means we can read how God is in the discipline of His children. We can read that and we can learn how we should be with each other. Okay? We can learn that. Here's what I mean. You can learn this. That it ought to be our, our you know, if it's rebuking or encouraging or correction or challenging in each other's lives, that it should be wrapped up, rooted in love. Why? Because that's the Father. In love, He disciplines. He disciplines those He loves. And His discipline in each other's lives is just an outflow of His discipline. You see that? It should be wrapped up in love. Also, our pursuit of holiness together will be painful. It's painful. I just said it was painful from God. That also means if, if, if God's discipline sometimes flows out into us and He uses us in each other's life, that means sometimes this will be painful. Don't run from it. Don't run from that. But you know that? It's like iron sharpened iron, sparks flying. This is the idea, okay? This, this is going to be painful at times as we walk in encouragement and challenge and rebuke and building one another up. Our pursuit of holiness with each other, this is what we learn, should be redemptive. Not vengeful, but redemptive. Remember what he said in Hebrews 12? The Father does this what? For our profit, for our good, for our holiness. He does it for our healing, it says, to strengthen the hands that hang down. This is the idea. So, so us coming together, pursuing holiness, is meant to be redemptive. If, you, if I rebuke a brother or sister or, or correct or build up or encourage, the idea is not vengeful or punishment. The idea is re- restoration. This is what we're going after, okay? So we watch out for one another. We build into each other. We even rebuke and correct one another. Why? Rooted in the love of the Father, aimed at the same aim of the Father, restoration. This is what we're going after, okay? Now, practical application. Quickly. Bow with me. Application here, okay? Let's give some practical, some more practical application, okay? Your holiness is affected by many things. Your obsession with Christ, your devotion to the Word of God, your devotion to prayer and fasting, trials and tribulations which you have no control over. Your holiness is affected by many things, okay? But the thing that I want to zone into is us together. What does it look like? Our pursuing holiness together. That's what I want to zone in on. And to do that, I want to talk about something called church discipline. Church discipline. That's a phrase. Keep it in your mind. Church discipline, okay? Now, church discipline is often a uh, neglected uh, practice, a neglected topic that we even talk about. Uh, In fact, we live in a day and age where uh, even to rebuke a fellow believer is seen automatically as judgmental. Or to excommunicate somebody from the church is unheard of. Do something like that. And yet both of these are biblical. There's biblical merit for both, okay? Now, if a group of people, okay? So it's unheard of in this world but, and in our society, in our day and age. But if a group of people are passionate about pursuing holiness, passionate about watching out for one another, then they must be passionate about this idea of church discipline. They must come to church discipline as a practical application, okay? Now, As I say that, most people think of church discipline too narrowly. 
Okay, it's too narrow. I want to talk about it in a broader sense. They only think about, some, sometimes we only think of church discipline is just the, the part where somebody's, you know, brought before the church and eventually excommunicated. That's the only part they think of. But I want to talk about it in a more, a broader sense, okay? I want to talk about formative and corrective discipline. You got formative and corrective discipline, okay? So let's start with formative church discipline. Formative, what does it mean? This is the instructing, the encouraging, the building up that goes on when there's not even any sin present. It's like with my son. This is not a, a spanking of my son, okay? This is just the encouragement, the instruction, the warning that goes on between with me and my children just on a regular daily basis. Not the corrective spanking, but the, the formative thing. You're forming him. You're shaping him. This is the idea. Mark Dever calls formative church discipline. He calls it the stake that helps the tree grow in the right direction. Just setting the stake. Help the tree grow in the right direction. Okay, it's, 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 uh, it's sh- when you think about church discipline with one another, it's the shaping of one another, forming, formative, forming of one another through the church meetings and through church relationships. It's through these sort of things, formative church discipline. Now, here's a few good passages for that. I'm going to say them very quickly for time's sake. Hebrews 3, since we're already in Hebrews, let's go there. Hebrews 3, verse 12 and 13. Good practical verses here on formative church discipline. Verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Think about it. He just said, beware. Warning. Watch out. Beware. Beware of this wicked heart of unbelief. And when he turns the corner, you think he's going to say, so believe, have faith. But instead he says, exhort one another. He turns it in. He says, exhort one another. Beware of this wicked heart of unbelief, but exhort one another. You realize that this exhortation of one another, this in each other's lives, exhorting one another, affects this wicked heart of unbelief. It says, lest anyone be deceived through the deceitfulness of sin. Lest they be led astray through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will deceive you. It is deceitful. What's something that could help with this? Exhort one another. It's this normal pattern of life. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, listen, consider how to stir each other up to love and good works. Not forsaking, don't forsake the assembling. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the habit of some, but, but, but exhort one another. Exhort one another so much more as you see the day approaching. You see the idea? The idea is this, this one other thing. Now that's just this, that just uses the word exhorting. I encourage everybody, if you haven't, if you didn't listen to Dustin when he taught on Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 a few weeks back, he got into a lot of things and not just exhorting, but loving and forbearing and mercy and, and patience for one another. These sort of things that we walk in, I encourage you to go check that out. It's really good. Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. Okay, but these are passages that give you the idea. Okay? So, so, so how are you doing at that? Think about this. How, how is this normally going to look in your life? Okay? How's it normally going to look? Okay? Normally, let's, let's talk in spheres for a second. This exhort one another. How's it going to look? Normally, ideally, in reality, you're going to have a few people in your life. This, just, just some people from the church that, that you love. Man, you love them deeply. I mean, you love them really deeply. And you walk in tight, tightness together, closeness together. I mean, you catch roots of bitterness before they spring up. I mean, you love each other. This is ideal that you, you love each other. You, you care for one another. These are relationships full of confession exhortation, full of the Bible, full of prayer together. You just, these, these people, and you go after that with these people. Do you have that in your life? Do you have that in your life? 
This formative church discipline, this sort of thing. You have that. Okay, let's go to another sphere. Another sphere would be a little broader. More, a, little, a bigger group of people, okay? And man, you love these people. This would be something like, like a small group. And I want to encourage everybody here. To, you know, we, in our church, we have small, uh, smaller groups that meet. Two in, uh, let's see, one in Pearl, one in Clinton, one in Crystal Springs, another one in Pearl, I believe. But we've got these groups that meet in these smaller groups, these smaller sets. This is where this normally goes down. Where still there's these people that love one another. They care for one another. They encourage each other. The Bible's involved. Prayer's involved. They're doing ministry together. Like this is, it's a little bit bigger than that first group. It's a little bit bigger sphere. But you've got this with these people. Do you have that in your life? You have that. And then you've got this, this larger sphere of the church as a whole. Okay? And man... You can't be as tight with every. You know that you can't be as tight with everybody as you are with those that first little sphere. You can't. But man, you got a concern for them all. Okay, you're looking out for them all. When you see one that seems disconnected, you, you go after. You still reach out to them. You go after them. You pray for them. You got that membership list we talk about that I tell you I love so much. I love it. I love it because it helps me. It helps me to pray. I got this membership list, and you got one too if you're a member of this church. And, and you've got this, this group of people, and you just care for them. You just love these people. And you reach out, you figure out one's hurting, and you reach out to them when they're hurting, when they're in pain, or they're, they're going astray, and you go after them. You see, this is another sphere. Maybe you can't get as tight as you would with that first group, but man, there's a concern for a whole. And this is what we all want to go after. This is, this is what we want to go after, okay? <clears throat> okay, corrective church discipline quickly. Corrective church discipline. This is what happens. So we've got formative church discipline. Corrective church discipline. This is what happens when a member of the church begins to walk into sin. Okay? Now remember, rooted in the love of the Father, Hebrews 12. Rooted in that love. Rooted in that same aim, that same goal. Not to, not to lord it over, to get, but, but for restoration. This is the idea. You love them and you want to restore them. This is the idea. Okay? Corrective church discipline. This happens on a few different layers. One layer is this. The Bible just calls it the rebukes of life. Just the rebukes of life. Or, or another place in the Scripture says, uh, uh, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. Okay? Now, now, most people despise the thought of having to rebuke or correct someone. And they despise the thought of being rebuked or corrected. Okay? But this is, this is the idea. This is just a way of life, it says. Reproofs of instruction are just, it's just a way of life. Look at, look at Proverbs 15, 31 with me. I'm going to read that. Proverbs 15, 31. Listen to this. Verse 31. The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. It just calls it the rebukes of life. Now the ESV says life-giving rebukes. That's just as great, right? Rebukes. We think of them as bad things that we despise. And yet right here it just says life-giving rebukes. Or the rebukes of life abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises it, despises his own soul. Did you hear that? When you hate rebuke and correction, it says you despise your own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. Okay, this is the idea. It's not ignored. This, this first layer of, of corrective, uh, corrective church discipline, it's just the rebukes of life. It's just normal life, okay? If we're walking in a healthy way, if Grace Community Church is walking in a healthy way, it means we love one another, there's humility, and there's concern for the church as a whole, we'll be able to walk into the rebukes of life. We'll be able to walk into those, and we'll be able to pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Do not be defensive when you are rebuked. Don't be defensive when you are rebuked. 
Okay? Defensiveness when you rebuke is a sign of pride. When you have defensiveness immediately when you rebuke, what you say is, I don't need my spiritual family to tell me what to do. Okay? It's pride. Don't be defensive, okay? Are you seen as are you seen as a defensive person? If so, ask God for help. Listen to what David said. He said, God, let the righteous strike me. Let it be a kindness. Let my head not refuse it. You see him praying? He's saying, God, I, I want that. I want that. I, I, want, to, I want this kind of uh, uh, rebukes of life to happen in my soul. And let my head not refuse it. God, I know I'm going to have a tendency to despise it, but let my head not refuse the idea. Okay, don't be defensive. Also, don't be too timid to give rebukes and instruction. We all need work in this area, right? Whose gift is rebuking? Anybody? <laughs> Nobody's got the gift of rebuking here? Okay. Nobody likes that, okay? And, and it's probably a good thing that you don't. You're just not snapping, just trying to rebuke everybody. It's not your, it's not your goal, okay? But, but don't be too timid. Being too timid to offer up rebuke and correction in your brothers and sisters' life, it shows indifference toward the glory of Jesus and His church as it walks in holiness. Holiness. It shows indifference towards your brother and sister who's being destroyed and, and carried off into sin and taken captive by the enemy. And you're showing indifference because you're too timid to deal with it and to love them. Okay, so don't be timid. Okay, now think about it. How do you personally receive rebuke? I just want you to kind of self examination for just a second. How do you personally receive rebuke? Okay, Proverbs 9 says, Rebuke a wise man and he'll love you says, rebuke a scoffer and he'll hate you. How do you receive rebukes? And also, what does it look like in your life, this pursuit of pursue peace and holiness, pursue holiness, you look out and, and holiness is what you're going after and you're helping your brothers and sisters. What does that look like for you looking out and if a brother, Galatians 6.1, if a brother's overtaken with sin, you restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. What does that look like in your life? You have these kind of things going down. Okay, that's, this is, this is, this is a, excuse me, a first layer of corrective church discipline. Let me give you a second layer, okay? Very quickly, Matthew 18. And I mainly just want to get your eyes on this, okay? This is not meant to, to be a, a big teaching on how this goes down with church discipline, but I just want to get your eyes on it. It's so rare. It's like a rare jewel to, to see uh, this being lived out that I just want to mention. I want to put it in front of our eyes as a church, okay? This is something. This is actually in the Bible, Matthew 18, verse 15. Just, just look at it with me and I'm going to say a few things. Moreover if, you, moreover, if your brother sins against you. So you're talking about sin amongst your, your brothers or sisters and your brother. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. Now I read this recently and something, something struck me. It struck me. And I thought, oh, I need to listen to that. What struck me was I always, every time I think about going to my brother who sins and telling him his fault, I always think of it as an allowance. God has allowed this. God lets me do this. As in, not like I just want to do it, but just like God says, that's okay. But I read this and I thought, this is a command. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Alone, just you and him. Just you go. It's not about other people. I'm going to tell other people. Go to your brother or sister and talk to him about it. And he actually commands you to do this. And the goal is what? If he hears you, you've gained him. That's the goal. Reconciliation is the goal. You've gained him. You've got, you gained him. He heard you and you gained your brother that was sinning against you. Verse 16. 
But if he will not hear, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. What we have here is a four-step process in church discipline. The first step was what? You go to him alone. The second step is what? You take one or two with you and go with them. Okay? This is serious. We love, why? Why would you do this? Because we love Jesus Christ and he's, his glory is worth us going through some hard conversations. He's going through some awkwardness. His glory is worth that. And we love the church and we give ourselves for her like Christ. Okay? And this is the reason. And we take one or two and go. Verse 17, third step. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Here's the idea. You take it to the church. Responsibly, this will be through the church leadership. Make this known that the church leadership says, uh, yes, we, we believe this is something that should be brought before the church as a whole. And the idea here, and this is why I say third and fourth step. Third step is if they don't hear the church. So there needs to be some sort of action of the church reaching out their arms toward this brother or sister who's walking off into sin. You see that? There's some, he says if he doesn't hear the church, so there's some sort of action of the church doing that third step. And then the fourth step is what a lot of people call excommunication. It's, it's, it's the last phrase we read there. Let him be to you. If he doesn't, if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen, like a tax collector. The idea is outside the church. He's excommunicated. He's, he's pushed out. And remember, the goal is what? The goal is not vengeful. The goal is to restore that brother. And, and I'm just going to mention this for time's sake. If you go back and read 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1 through 13, you come away from some different points. Same stuff. Church discipline, these last stages of church discipline, you go back and read it. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 13. And if you look at that section of Scripture... Paul says, deliver him to Satan for the destruction of his flesh that he might be saved in the day of the Lord. So the, the, the goal is not vengeful towards somebody's sin or looking down on somebody. It's love. It's, it's compassion. It's care. It's like, it's like when a father disciplines his son. It's not out of anger. It's not that. It's out of love and you want to form him and, and help him grow. This is what you want to do. And the, the idea is, is you're going after redemption in this person. Okay. If you read 1 Corinthians 5, Paul looks at him and says, you haven't, re- why didn't you mourn? See, he puts mourning in this. Mourning and tears and crying. Think about applying that to us. Think about applying that to yourself. Do you mourn over the sin of this church? Do you mourn over sin when you see it in this church? You mourn over these things. Paul says in that First Corinthians 5 verse, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Do you have that kind of concern for the whole lump? That the, one of the reasons you deal with sin in our midst is because a little leaven leavens a whole lump and you want to deal with it. Do you, do you see that? You have that kind of concern for the church. Okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to back out and close. Back out. I'm wearing a lot of details, okay? I'm just trying to give you some details. I want to put it in front of your face. But now I want to back up quickly, just very quickly and close, okay? Let me, let me take you back to my original exhortation. Here's the original Exhortation, here it is. Let's be God's holy people who pursue holiness together. Let's be that. God's holy people pursuing holiness together. Let, let, me, let me give you a, a phrase from a sermon that Charles Spurgeon preached to his church. Listen, listen to Charles Spurgeon toward his church. There is nothing which my heart desires more than to see you, the members of this church, distinguished for holiness. It is the Christian's crown and glory. An unholy church, it is of no use to the world and of no esteem among men. Oh, it is an abomination. Hell's laughter, heaven's abhorrence. And the larger the church, the more influential, 
The worst nuisance does it become when it becomes unholy. The worst evils which have ever come upon the world have been brought upon her by an unholy church. So I want to give that to you. Let's pursue holiness, guys. I want to do something real quick. If you're a member, and you can do this too if you're not a member, but if you're a member of Grace Community Church, we're about to look at each other for a minute, okay? It's going to be awkward. <laughs> and I don't care. Okay? We're going to look at each other. I want, you, I want you to look at each other for a minute, okay? Just, just kind of, even now, just kind of look. Just catch eyes with maybe some people. If you're a member of the church, just catch eyes. Be, be awkward for a minute. We'll get the giggles out of the way, and I want you to hear me, okay? Just kind of look around. Okay. Now, let me ask you something. Keep, keep, look, keep looking at them. Keep looking at them. Jonathan, look at them. No, I'm just kidding. You love these people? A lot of members of Grace Community Church here. I mean, there, there's other. I mean, you know, we're not... Just these isolationists, it's only us. We're not like that. But, but at the same time, you locked arms with these group. And, we, and you, if you've been here long, if you just locked arms, then you still think we're, we're just awesome. Okay? <laughs> but if you've been here long enough, you go, oh, yeah, I didn't know what I got into. Okay? <laughs> Do you love these people? So you look around. You love each other? Do you want to pursue holiness with these people? Is this what you want? You want to pursue holiness? This, these people right here. Okay? And there's others that aren't here that are members of the church. But is that what you want? Do you want to pursue holiness? You love these people. Okay, now, listen to God's Word. Even as you look at each other now, I'll just still do it. Look at each other. Look. Listen, listen. Listen to God's Word. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace with all people. Pursue peace. That's what the Word said. Pursue peace. This is so important that Jesus said, if you, if you come in to bring a gift to the altar, and there you remember your brother's got something against you, just leave your gift there and go reconcile first and then come back and offer your gift. That's how serious this is. Pursue peace. Look around. Pursue peace. Is there any work that needs to be done even now between one another? Pursue peace with all people. And then listen to it. As you continue to think about each other, okay? We'll make you look again. Think about each other. And holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And then you're looking at each other. Looking carefully. You know, and the ones that aren't here, you're looking at this list of people and this membership list, which you love. I think, I think it was Brett sent me a, I'm sorry if I've said this before, Brett sent me a, a thing a while back, said the second most important book, right, for the Christians, the membership list. I love that. You got this list. You love these people. You say, man, I want to pursue holiness with these people. I want to pursue peace with these people. And I want to look diligently, oversee these people. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a leader. Okay, I'm saying, speaking for us. I am a pastor, sorry. <laughs> But if you say, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a leader, and yet that verse just said, looking diligently, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. What a tragedy that one wouldn't make it. Looking diligently, lest any root of bitterness, lest any root of bitterness, looking diligently, looking diligently, lest there be any sexually immoral, any unholy, going after holiness, for the, the happiest place your brother or sister will ever be will be when they walk in holiness. You want to pursue their happiness? Pursue their holiness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Make, make us holy bride for your glory, Lord. And God, I praise you that when you died on that cross, you took all of our sins, Lord. And so all the sin that we fight now are already defeated sins. And I praise you for that, God. Thank you, Lord, that you conquered sin and that we come from that place to make war. So God, help us to make war. God, please help us to make war together, Lord. If there's, if there's any 
need for reconciliation between brother and sister in this church, I pray, God, that you deal with it. Please, God, deal with our hearts. I pray that you would bring conviction, love, overwhelming love, and, and, and care for each other. And help us, God, to pursue holiness together. In Jesus' name, amen.